This is Next Bite, a three-part series from Chobani about change makers on the farm, in the kitchen, and in the fight for better food access. I'm Katie Wigan, a producer at T-Brand Studio, where we helped find the people who are reimagining the future of food. And today, I'm so happy to introduce Jermaine Jenkins from Fresh Future Farm in South Carolina. My name is Jermaine Jenkins. I'm Chief Farm Officer at Fresh Future Farm. And I love liberation and justice that comes in the form of a farm. Jermaine's team grows a huge variety of crops, from mustard greens to pears to sugarcane, on less than an acre of land. She built the farm next to what used to be an elementary school in the Chicora, Cherokee neighborhood of North Charleston. There's lots of folks who walk to and from some of the stores, a lot of pedestrians and bike riders, folks like doing work in their yard and uh, lots of kids playing as well. Jermaine lives five minutes away from the farm. After moving to the neighborhood, she realized that a lot of the families there didn't have access to the affordable, nourishing food that they wanted. Jermaine recognized that this problem is systemic. So she and her team grow and sell produce, prepared meals, and groceries directly to local families on a sliding scale. They've also donated food, PPE, rent, and utility support during the pandemic. They teach neighbors how to grow their own crops and organize with other Black-led farms in the region to cultivate the next generation of Black farmers. Jermaine's vision for food access also comes from personal experience. I'll let her tell the story. Before I actually started like putting seeds in the ground in my own yard, I didn't know how to feed myself without the assistance of grocery stores and you know, pantries back when I wasn't working. In all of these places that are impacted by food apartheid, the food that is easily and readily accessible to you comes out of a gas station, a dollar store, or fast food restaurants. You know, as an adult with two young children of my own, you know, I noticed very clearly that we weren't having as many vegetables on a plate as I wanted to be able to serve my kids because I was going to school full time and didn't have the money to buy the groceries that I wanted. And I, I sort of remember like standing up and looking at them maybe in the kitchen and just saying, when we leave here, we're going to move to a house and that house is going to have a garden. I'd actually gone through the Master Gardener program at my job at the Low Country Food Bank during that time. And my goal specifically was to get more produce in the door to community members. So sometimes that meant that we were gleaning vegetables from local farms. And, you know, there was one time in particular where it was a rainy day and I was out there by myself harvesting squash. And as far as I could walk, you know, there's just crops of squash everywhere. And I'm just, you know, like hopping over these rows, like looking for squash for me to pack and then take back to the food bank. I just noticed my shoes and my pants getting like muddier and wetter as the day wore on. But the more I harvested, the more I wanted to harvest. I said, maybe I'll, I'll do 30 more minutes and then I'll do 30 more. And like four hours later, 
And I thought to myself, like a normal person would probably leave right now. But I just, I wasn't uncomfortable. I just, I felt in my happy space. I'd not felt that way before. And you're just thinking about like, you know, folks cooking up that squash, folks that are served by food banks and pantries. And, you know, like that, that whole where the vegetables were supposed to be on my plate is full all of a sudden. And so I just stayed out there longer and longer to get more done. People usually think of an urban farm as something that's on or in a building. But it feels like, you know, you walk out of the city and into the country when you come to Fresh Future Farm. It's just very lush, very green, very much outdoors. If you were to walk through the farm, the first thing that you'd see after you like um, went up the ramp into the farm space, there'd be like a very big Asian pear tree and a white fence, you know, with images of some of the people who inspired me on your left. George Washington Carver, Masanobo Fukuoka, Ruth Stout, and then Will Allen. They were outside of the box thinkers and doers. And behind that fence, sugarcane and elderberries, and then a row of like peaches and pear trees. And all of the trees on the right side of you are right behind the building that is our farm store. There's rectangular beds of red kale, mustards, sugarcane and banana trees that are starting to put off their first leaves of spring. Where we are in North Charleston, like the wind is blowing, so the crops are blowing. And you could have the scent of of like peach blossoms or citrus blossoms. And I remember like pruning trees a couple weeks ago and folks walking past and said, oh, look, there's mustards and that that's collards over there and that's kale. So, you know, what normally happens when people who've never been there is that they just spend a lot of time just kind of surveying the whole like 0.8 acres that we manage and just trying to take all of that in. Like, where am I? And then is when we get the questions and the comments about how rich and lush and like welcoming and calming that space is for them. We are an urban farm, but you know, there's so much knowledge in rural areas. So kind of just like I went to harvest that squash, now it's time for us to go out into the country on these dirt roads and harvest information and uphold those elders that have it. And what's important is that we're capturing this information and knowledge that will be lost, the wisdom from our elders, so that we can always like hold on to it and make sure that we're kind of keeping up and living up to the legacy that our elders leave for us. There was a time in this country where Black people owned 16 million acres of land, and most of that land went towards growing food that fed families. Here we are in a place where a lot of people had to flee and leave that land behind where land was stolen and other issues disconnected folks from 
feeding themselves. So when I think about the future, what's key to me to be able to kind of reverse this distance from agriculture is just making the information and the possibilities as accessible as possible. Whether that means you're tasting the food that we grow or you're somebody who watches a video where we show you how we plant sugarcane or, you know, like somebody that interns with us and decides that they want to um, start their own farm. I don't think about it in numbers. I think about limitlessness. I can't even imagine what others will be able to do because of the example that they'll see from us and just so many other Black-led farms across the country. You know, when we first moved into our house and started farming, my son, who's like seven at the time, he would like hop off his bike if I asked him to like help me harvest cabbage, get it and then get right back on that bike and start going. Fast forward 10 or so years, and now, you know, that eight-year-old is our farm manager. And my eldest is our creative manager. So, like, the impact that Fresh Future Farm has had on my granddaughter, whoa. Like, we have so many pictures of her just trying to smash a farm-fresh peach in her face. Like, as soon as she starts to talk, you know, like, if anybody asks her the question where food comes from, she is probably going to say, Glamma is growing some over there. And those peaches are really good. In 50 years, you know, my granddaughter will be 52. And what I hope is different when she has grandchildren of their own is that everything that they need is within walking distance from their home that she never has to worry about her children or grandchildren being able to put quality food on a plate, like where you can walk and just, you know, like harvest something and eat it as you're walking home as part of your day-to-day experience. And that what they know is joy and security and comfort and not oppression. On the next episode of Next Bite, we'll join Sean Sherman, a Native American chef on a mission to grow a global movement for indigenous cooking. So we started making these grain bowls of house-made hominy mixed with hand-harvested Minnesota wild rice coming directly from tribes, and then lots of farm-fresh vegetables, indigenous proteins. We were doing 400 meals a day, and then as winter came around, we grew to be doing 10,000 meals every week. Next Bite is made by Chobani. Thanks for listening.